0: Boom! It's time, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks out there using our podcast to get you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you for ninety plus minutes in your ear holes. Hey, DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free, and that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Cashfly. The best CDN in the business, and you can check them out at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. They're responsible for all the hosting of all the shows on the 5x5 network this week. And Squarespace. Squarespace! They brought the show to you this week, and DLC is the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who is a living, breathing rated R superhero movie, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Quick up-top announce. I'll plug it again at the end. But tomorrow, uh, the first real episode of the new podcast I've started, Department of Parenting, goes live on Tuesday, the 16th of February. Um, the first Hello World What We Are is out right now, but it's a, a funny, whimsical, clean parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. Cool, man.
0: I'm, the I'm parent excited with to the check mouth. it out myself. Yeah, <laughs> checking it out. Uh, hey, oh, man, we got a huge jam-packed show. There's lots of news. I've been playing a ton of games, and we have an excellent guest to share in the proceedings with us. Uh, you know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, we are excited because, once again, DLC stands for Dispensing Laughter and Counsel because we have one of our very favorite guests back with us. You know him from Polygon.com, the hilarious My Brother, My Brother and Me advice podcast, the Sawbones Medical History podcast, and so much more, friend of the show, Justin McElroy. Hey, Justin. Ah,
2: uh, Jeff, I, I didn't know ahead of time that people would be running and listening to this show i do not approve no exercise of any sort i don't truck with that kind of thing you're just making the rest of us look bad i don't appreciate the body shaming and please go home
0: Uh, that's all well um that's awkward i guess everybody can stop running now but just keep listening to the show take a break take
2: this one's on me let me (laughs) see do you see that one set of footprints in the asphalt that's where i ran for you
0: (laughs) Amazing. Uh all right, guys. Let's uh, let's get to it. We got a big, big show this week. So let's start as we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, DLC-S-O-T-W is that. Or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Um, some cool stuff this week. Justin, you are our guest, so you get first pick. What do you consider your story of the week?
2: Uh, I I mean, for me, it's the, the Destiny stuff. Uh, yeah. Just because I <clears throat> I love playing Destiny sometimes, and I love thinking and talking about Destiny all the time, because I think it's one of the most fascinating you know, uh, games
0: running right now. I love, I'm excited to get into this, but let's just be clear what this news is that there's a big patch coming in 2016, which is going to increase the light level and add a whole bunch of new loots for you to pursue as you play destiny. But the big news is that 2017 we'll see Activision publishing destiny Two. the big numbered sequel that we've all been curious. Is this going to game even going to have numbered sequels? Is it just going to be this sort of ongoing updated patched thing like world of Warcraft with expansions, um, like the taken King was, or is there going to be a big proper numbered sequel? And it sounds like we got confirmation this week that the numbered sequel is coming and it's coming in 2017. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Justin, are you excited? Is that a good thing for this franchise? Uh,
2: I think it's probably too long, uh, between like the the original game and and a proper sequel. For for me, I I felt like 2016, you know, felt right. Um, I, the, my problem with Destiny as it stands right now is that I really like treating Destiny like a something that I return to when there's new things to do and play through the new stuff. And you know, it's not a subscription based game, so I feel no compulsion to keep hopping back in there and, and and you know, quote unquote getting my money's worth every day or week or month because there are just there isn't money on the table. So it's right. you know, I I buy my new things, I check it out, I, I advance. Um, but this move towards uh rather than you know a a big patch in in recent months uh through through until this big one is is released later this year they've been focusing more on sort of like live events um you know holiday based things or Mm -hmm. uh there was sparrow racing a while back and uh i i fear that that kind of muddies the waters uh for for destiny because i i think that that setting the message that this is a game that you can be playing all the time. That they're just giving, you know, those sorts of events are, are are sort of the bare minimum you can get away with doing in something like a World of Warcraft, uh, which which does ask you to constantly be playing. That, that it is it is promising constant things for you to do. Um, Isn't that what and, they want this game to be, though? You know it. I think that they set themselves up with an unrealistic expectation by doing that. I I guess that you know they, for them, you know, if I'm Destiny, I don't necessarily. As long as you're coming back and buying the things that I have for sale, as long as you're coming back and buying my my patches and expansions, like I don't really care because I'm not getting a monthly subscription fee from you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's that's a very, um, it's a very different sort of product that 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 Bungie. is making is in the process of making with Destiny. And obviously, you know, we've read a lot of uh behind the scenes stuff about how the false starts of Destiny have sort of impacted the final product, why the right. narrative was was more muddy than it should have been, etc. I really, really liked the last uh uh expansion. Um and I and I thought it added a ton to the game with some of the best narrative work that has come out of that game. I just feel like that these smaller events are it, it. They muddy the water because I think the messaging should be: play Destiny, see the new stuff, and then we'll catch in a little while. I mean, the problem, mm-hmm. the problem that, that Destiny has, I think, is that the way it's structured right now is you play through the new stuff and you work really hard to grind out the best items. You, you know, if you pl- if you want the best stuff, you play beyond sort of the. "Quote unquote" new content and really get into the 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 grinding of it, you know, constantly playing the raids over and over and over again. And I think that uh, the 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 issue with that is, once they launch a new expansion, traditionally, historically, uh, it invalidates your previous gear, so it really makes that seem like kind of a waste of time. Uh, and 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 I don't think they should be encouraging people to necessarily play that way. I think the mm. ideal Destiny situation is, you know, you you get in. When there's something new and then, and then you get out, um, that of course, muddies the water since it is a multiplayer game. you know, you have people need to play with other people, uh, right. you know, in order to, to progress through a lot of this stuff. But you know, if, once you open it up to if they had actual matchmaking for raids and things like that, that would be, that problem would be solved pretty easily.
0: Well, you have you have something like a Guild Wars or even Diablo that sort of exists in the same economic model, at least, of, hey, we're only going to charge you when new stuff comes out, but we give you stuff to do the whole time so you can be constantly playing, so you're this remains your, your mainline game. Um, but I, I, I take your point and I think you're right. I've never really heard anybody express it that way. I think that's a very interesting take on the game because from my perspective – I never got into destiny enough because I did feel like it was missing the keep me playing everyday hook and and just getting just grinding for better stuff it just wasn 't enough for me. I wanted more variety in the kinds of things I was up to but um I, you know I, w- I never really was the hugest destiny fan anyway christian what's your what's your feeling on this
1: well, I really hope that the, this year's expansion isn't called Muddy the Waters because um, <laughs> well, if it has a cool Muddy Waters soundtrack, that'd be <laughs> cool. It's it, uh, I think the hard part for Destiny is creating the system of giving the hardest core players something that they find rewarding to do as quote unquote end game or holdover content until the next big event type thing comes along. And I think what they've done is they try to go for this lighthearted approach. You know, it's sparrow racing. It's the Valentine's Day stuff. It's, you know, yeah, you're overleveled and you're overpowered, but here's some cute stuff where you'll get some new shaders and some new little things and trinkets, and this will be enough for you to keep playing and, and to keep you coming back. And and I think to, to Justin's point about – um you know, they they discredit the gear you just got when the next big expansion comes out. I mean, you've certainly seen other MMOs try to tackle this complication as well. And I think the complication is, or the problem is, how do we allow new people to jump in now that might be excited about the Taken King or, you know, big new boss or big new world, big new expansion, while not having them immediately be uh, overwhelmed by the bad guys they're facing, but also give the players that have spent so much time with us a reason to come and play and have them not feel like, oh, just because you bought a $20 expansion, now you get my level 400 gun. And I don't know what the answer is. Like I know Well, certainly a numbered sequel seems like the I mean, if a numbered
0: sequel seems like everything you've done up till now is invalidated. Like numbered sequel to me says we're starting fresh. You're starting at level 1. This is a new game.
1: I think that is a way to do it. I I agree. I don't know That Destiny wants to be Call of Duty, though, every year a numbered sequel. I don't think it was set out to be every year we hit reset.
0: Well, it certainly isn't every year, right? It's been, what, three years, four years since Destiny came out?
2: I think Destiny 2, in my ideal world, when you get Destiny 2, you can throw away your Destiny 1 disc. And I I think that it's completely unrealistic to think that, you know, gear – in any meaningful way will will continue to be usable i think you'll have to, to start fresh there but i think it would be patent madness to get rid of the the areas like to not include those as part of destiny 2 that world that universe feels small enough already you know why not if you could go into it with a playing field that is already doubled in size like why wouldn't you
0: um, that's interesting the idea that a destiny 2 would have a whole bunch of content but also all the content from destiny 1 also,
2: I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it's as much, you know, the content for Destiny 1 is, as much as it is just like the the planets, you know, mm. Mars, Venus, Moon, the Cosmodrome, the Dreadnought are included in Destiny 2, as a, a, by which I mean, you don't go back to Destiny 1 to do things that were happening there. Destiny 2 is all the new stuff, plus the old environments are still, you know, included as part of the game. I just, I think that it is... You know uh, the problem they would have is you see there are going to be people who just don't want to move on. If if Destiny Two is a completely separate entity, then you then you fracture the the player base, and I certainly don't think you want that. I think you want people who have Destiny Two and are playing Destiny Two to be able to access the things that the Destiny One players are still doing, because you can't if if you you know section those two off then. It seems like an invalidation of everything they've been they've been working towards. Doesn't
1: that limit what they can, the changes they can make, and what they can do? Or when you go back to Destiny One areas, you're like, like no more backflips. I don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. but it 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 makes it more of a wow in the sense that, oh crap, how many things can we layer on this engine that's forty years old now? Versus here's this new thing; it addresses all these problems because one of the issues they said with Destiny in terms of Updating it and creating the, the changing the loot drops is the back end or the the program that they have running this thing isn't the uh, you know they can't just go in and control C control V and now we have a change like it's a big deal to make changes to um, to their system so I wonder if they want to just get away from that and get to something else
2: uh, the thing that makes destiny so interesting to me is that I think that you are both like completely right like it that is a 100% legitimate concern but i think it's an equally legitimate concern to say hey we have this entire player base first player base we're not supporting you at all anymore and we don't you know we we want to transplant this entire audience uh over to this new thing and i i just don't see how they do it unless they're part of one cohesive product or at least the first product is is included somehow in the second as 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 like a legacy type thing because there will be people like it you know there will be people who just love the stuff in destiny one and they love what they do and they love knowing it or they don't have the money to pony up for a sequel right at that point and they have uh, I, I think you, you have to include those people as part of your you know one cohesive package I think fractioning those two off is it, it would be pretty pretty harmful
1: know that doesn't bother you in like a Call of Duty space. Like people are still playing Modern Warfare 1 and 2 and, and no way does Activision saying, okay, now to play Advanced Warfare, we're going to carry over. You know, they might do like one of those maps again as a map pack, but they're not – every year they're looking to move their base over with new maps, new perks, new levels, new whatevers. I think
2: that you're, I, I think that that's true. I mean, I, th- that's definitely there's, there, but that's the problem. It's not, it's a little bit apples and oranges because the people, by the time that this Destiny 2 actual proper sequel launches, if the big expansion later this year costs another 30, 40 bucks, you're going to be talking about people who've invested upwards of $200 in a, a single uh, a single game with, with you know if they've kept up with the expansions and maybe bought a few microtransaction type things like people will have spent a lot more money and a lot more time you know the, the, the years by that point will have been invested into what they've done in in Destiny 1
0: this is usually the part of the conversation where i would love to turn to the audience and hear the comments from the live chat we're not live today unfortunately so Please, if you if you are a Destiny player and have uh, comments or opinions to weigh in, send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com Because I'm not a Destiny player, so I don't really have a horse in this race. But I would I would love to find out what. never been think. a better
2: time to get on board, Jeff?
0: Yeah, it's Is always there? the
2: best time to get on Destiny. Because <laughs> well, you're at the, at the 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 prices for everything before the newest stuff have been trivialized, and you have the biggest range of like new stuff. The 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 stuff that is in Destiny is all really pretty good. The yeah. problem is is in the replaying it dozens upon dozens of times. That's where it gets rough. But right now you can just play through a lot of that stuff for the first time and it's 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 pretty it's still pretty darn solid.
0: I'm kind of expecting the division to be my destiny because I'm kind of excited about that game I played the beta and I had a good time and I'm hoping that it'll scratch that itch and let me do some more Stuff like building out my base and doing quests to get this and do that. And it feels a little more variety. So I'm hoping that game scratches that itch for me. um, All right, Christian, how about you? What's your uh, story of the week?
1: My story of the week goes to people that follow Gaming News have probably heard this, but it's our first time to chat about it. And it's game trailers closing after their, I would say, pretty incredible uh, 13-year run. They've been putting out content since, you know, before it would take me longer to load the video than it would to watch the video (laughs) you know before internet video was a thing we consumed on our phone while we waited for a bus and complained that we had to watch a five-second ad before we could watch a video and uh they've been making great content for years i think the last you know thing was defy media bought them and then fired a bunch of people and then finally shut them down but um i would check in with the final boss man still pretty regularly and a lot of their shows were high quality video reviews before anyone else was doing it and um, it's not to say you can't find that stuff out there. People are doing great stuff on Twitch and YouTube or whatever, but I think when an institution that created in my opinion a lot of really great content uh, closes shop finally it's you know time to reflect on them and um, you know pour one out for game trailers.
0: Yeah, Justin, as somebody who is in the business of creating great gaming content um online and has been for years, uh, does this speak to how difficult it is to make that work? I mean, if the uh, you know, a known quantity like game trailers has to close down, or do you guys feel that pressure in a way that maybe we don't understand? <sighs>
2: you know, it's hard. I, I, I'll be honest first off and say that like, I I do not have a lot of insider expertise in the, in the business end of, of, of this, but I do know that, you know, I I would assume with game trailers, they launched before we were in an era where anybody with uh, a computer and a, a decent connection could upload their own, you know, walkthroughs, their own strategy guys. I mean, that and, and it's terrifying really the, the, uh, I shouldn't say terrifying because it's it's just the way things are going. But like video game media, like a lot of media, but I, I think especially video game media is getting more and more decentralized and and moving more and more from these sort of like hubs where where everything is under one roof to um, you know people who are doing it on their own and networks. And I think that there's a place for uh, uh, you know outlets, uh, larger outlets that uh, that are staffed uh by by people i think that you you gain some things there but um you know for a site that launched with i mean like look at the name like and and obviously this is not to speak to their content but more just sort of the way things have sort of evolved out from underneath them if i want to see a game trailer i go to youtube you know right. i I, yeah. I i it's a it's a huge repository it always loads quickly you know i don't have ads on there cuz i'm a a, a red user, you know, I, 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 that's the experience that, that works best for me. And I think that's just, uh, I I mean, I, I, I have no insight into their business whatsoever, but it seems like the, the world just sort of shifted from underneath them.
0: I think that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Game trailers, you don't need to go to a site called game trailers to get game trailers. And in fact, you know I think they were tr- transitioned over the years into creating original content and having other reasons for you to get to their site rather than just looking at game trailers, which is why they launched because there was no place to find game trailers uh you know in one central location but uh you know it's it's difficult to when you have these big hubs like YouTube and uh, twitch that are around that allow anybody to upload anything and have excellent content and really take the the production cost and uh, basically reduce it to next to nothing for the average game producer, uh, game video producer, uh, to have sort of a bloated production arm that is devoted to making content for one specific site rather than distributing content wherever anybody wants to look at it. That's I think that's where things are changing: is that people don't care where they get something from. If they get it on YouTube, if they get it on Twitch, if they get wherever they get it. They just want to get it. And having one place to get something is, I think, going away. So. But yes, pour one out for game trailers. Um, it's always sad. It's
2: tough. You know, Joystick uh, we, last week was also a year since yeah. uh, Joystick had shut down. It's it's wild to see these things that you sort of assume, you know, will be institutions. I got used to seeing magazines uh, shut down, but it's it's weird seeing these like former titans of, of – video game media online uh, get shut yeah, down too. I
0: totally agree. I I miss Joystick very much. I, it was a site that I really enjoyed and it uh yeah, and I had friends at both of these places. So we all obviously wish both of them all of them well. Um I you know, I'm I'm conflicted as to what I would pick for a story of the week. I think probably uh this idea that uh the Quantum Break is coming Free on PC if you pre-order on Xbox One is a pretty interesting line in the sand, and, I, and I, I'm hopeful that it indicates uh, a progression, and I'm not sure it does, but I'm interested to bring it up in conversation with you guys. Because the news this week, obviously, is that Quantum Blake Break, which had been announced as an Xbox One exclusive, is also going to be on Windows 10. This is not just on PC. It is specific to Windows 10 operating system, and so you have to have Windows 10 in order to play it. Uh, And more than that, if you order it on Xbox One, you get a free copy on Windows 10. So they're really saying, hey, if if you're a PC gamer, there's really no reason not to order it on Xbox One because you get two copies. You get a PC copy anyway, which, of course, looks like a way to juice Xbox One sales. Uh, And, you know, I don't have anything against that. That's that's fine. If you want to play those games, so be it. I think it works out well for the consumer. Some people got upset because they claimed it was an Xbox One exclusive and is no longer. But what I'm the the point of the conversation that I'd like to bring up is I've always wanted there to be this movement that happens in when I buy something, I buy the title and I can play it on whatever I want to play it on. And we see some of that with cross-buy, uh, you know, on Vita and PS4, and and some of that Nintendo is doing a little of that with their systems. But wouldn't it be great if uh, when you purchase a title, it just works on whatever system you want it to work on. And because it's downloadable and not a physical item, I don't have to worry about sticking it into a PS4 or an Xbox One or whatever. I'm just buying the title to play. on It's almost like buying an album. It doesn't matter if I play it on an iPad or a what you know iPod or a oh. Android or whatever. It it just works. It's just a a song.
1: But you can't do that with games the way that movies or music does because. You don't. I mean, what you want, basically, is just PCs then everywhere. Because if I buy it on a PC, I can play it on any PC. But I have to worry about it if it runs, right? But a PS4 and an
0: Xbox One are PCs. That's they're basically similar what they are. they
1: specs, but they're not exactly the same. And, you know, it's one program. I mean, I think what you're doing is you're secretly open to the back door. And what you want to talk about is the one console future. <laughs> <Well>, even and <Dyack. laughs>
2: You're on the edge. I he's,
1: mean, he's ready. He's always ready. I think, actually, though, that was just an insanity effect that he polluted our minds with 10 years ago, and now we can't let go of the idea. But yeah. there's no way you could do I mean, I love. don't get me wrong. I love the idea. I think the way we get there, Jeff, and maybe, oh, have I finally won? How we get there is with Netflix of video games, right? Like, for <laughs> real. How we get there is PlayStation now, because then you buy the title, buy the rights to play the title. You don't own anything. And then you can play it on anything, because all you need is an internet-connected TV. I'm less... Uh, I am less...
2: Uh, bullish on the uh, the one console future, and and m- more specifically, what Jeff is talking about, sort of a one storefront future. Because I don't want anybody to have the keys to that store. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to have the keys to that console. Like, what? Who would you trust to be busy. that company? Because it still falls to a corporation. Quantum Break is a great example. You know we're you can play Quantum Break uh, on your PC and on your Xbox. Cool. You can't play Quantum Break through Steam because it'll never be on Steam. It's right. Windows Ten exclusive. So, like, yeah that that is what the future would look like. Is that's fine. You can play it on Xbox One, and you know, in, in this proposed you know situation, you can play it on Xbox One or you can play it on your PC. But you're going to be playing it through you know, windows 10 and you have to use our storefront. And, and by the way, we have no competition. That scares the hell out of me. I mean, like the idea that, that these consoles would, I mean, uh, uh, you, you know, I think look at the, uh, look at what almost happened with DRM, uh, before the launch of the Xbox one, they announced, well, you're going to need, you know, basically used games won't work anymore. That won't be a thing anymore. And all it took was Sony saying, well, uh, we're not doing that. Go suck an egg. Right. For Microsoft to be like, oh no, no, no. Sorry, it's our mistake. We actually meant the exact opposite. We're totally reversing that. In in a one console future, that that don't happen. You what? you will see a absolute uh uh manhandling of video game consumers to a point where like I think it would almost create another console. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be so bad that somebody else would be like, listen. These people suck. Here's another console. Forget those guys. And it's like, oh, okay, we're
0: back where we started. Perfect. I, I mean, I, I'm not advocating for a one console future. I mean, Christian kind of brought that up, but I. <laughs> but it's the same thing. I no, mean, no, you but you it's want... not. It's it's not. It, it's actually kind of the opposite because if you look at it like, uh, a, you know, a Blu-ray player, you you buy the Blu-ray and then you can buy whatever player from whatever manufacturer you want. If there's one way the thing works, then Anybody can make a box and and there's there is no controlling entity for the box. There's just an agreed upon set of instructions. And that's kind of what Dyak was talking about, too. The one console future wasn't, hey, one we all decide on which company makes the console. It's we all decide that the consoles that we all make all are compatible with each other. And that's a PC, yes, but it, the idea being that no one has a proprietary thing. No one charges a licensing fee to get on PlayStation or Xbox because there is no controlling entity. It is just open, completely open. And we all know that when you buy a Blu-ray player, it plays all the Blu-rays.
2: But how, But Blu-ray – the the Blu-ray movies could continue for – I mean Blu-ray – movies could be continue to be put on Blu-ray for the next hundred years. And Blu-ray itself, like the demands put on a Blu-ray player – would never be 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 increased. It would always be the same requirement of a laser reading a disc, right. which is all we need from a Blu-ray player with a, a video game machine. If you have a single standard, how do we evolve that standard? Who ge- who gets to make that decision to say like, "Hey, listen, we're upping the standard." I, I mean, I don't know how you do that without fracturing that back out into multiple. You know, multiple consoles again. I don't. I don't know who who gets yeah. to make the decision th- to upgrade architecture
1: at that point. Well, I think to support Jeff's argument of this kind of like one media style future, whatever you, whatever nickname you want to call it, the Obama death panels. I don't know. Whatever whatever label <laughs> you want to put on it, that's I not mean, the catchiest name. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly has happened before in other types of media, where HD DVD said we're going to up the standard, we're going to go this way, and Blu-ray said we're going to go this way. And before that, Laser Day, Di- Laser Disc said we're going to go this way and data tape said we're going to go this way.
0: Well, no, it's it's happening in the sense that Blu-ray came out and said, hey, here's the standard for 1080p video on a disc. And it's like, well, four years goes by. And they go, well, we now we need 4K Blu-ray. So everybody who wants to upgrade can upgrade to, you know. So there are these these uh, incremental shifts. I, and again, I kind of feel like we've spun off into a direction that I didn't intend to with this story. I'm just excited that like this game comes with it on multiple platforms like why can't i buy a a, a game why can't i buy uh i don't know whatever game street fighter 5 and it works on everything why can't i don't necessarily need it to be the one console future i just want me to buy the thing and then i can play it on my pc i can play it on my console i can play it on whatever because i bought the thing rather than buying a specific version of the thing
1: I love that idea, and I think the way it's implemented is through a system like PlayStation Now. Not, you know, But I think it's cloud gaming that, that eventually delivers this idea to people. And I, I love the idea of having everything on everything whenever I want it, whenever I need it, and all you need is a screen and an input device to play it. Love that idea. And I, I, think, I think cloud gaming is how we get it.
0: All right, well, maybe I'm crazy. No, maybe I'm just well, how, too idealistic for this world.
1: I'm agreeing with you.
0: How do you always know. spin me know. into the yeah. cynic?
1: I think this is a good <laughs> idea, and I'm telling you how I think that it will be actually implemented, and then you just poo-poo on it. I guess I guess Christian doesn't believe in it just enough. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't
0: know what
2: we do. I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I mean, I get where you're coming from. You're a real visionary.
0: You know, if Henry Thank Ford had
2: asked me what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, you know? Right. Just yeah. think about it, really. Well, uh, I, I mean, guess I will open go up.
1: on record here today and say that I don't support the Kanata death panels. So, <laughs> I guess.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, guys, we need to take a little break and thank our sponsor, Squarespace, because they made this show possible. And without them, we would not be making it. And we're, so we're so grateful. And not only that, I use Squarespace. Squarespace is a fantastic service. If you have any reason to create anything on the web, you should really look into Squarespace. I house my own website, jeffcanada.com was created on Squarespace, is hosted on Squarespace. Everything that I needed to create a high-quality, cool-looking website, I found at Squarespace. That's because they have cool templates, but you can easily adjust them. You can make anything that you want with their easy-to-use tools that allow for drag-and-drop editing. What you see is what you get. You just kind of mess, mess around, and you play. You don't have to have any kind of uh, programming skills or HTML knowledge. It really just works the way you want it to. It's also inexpensive, which makes it very appealing. And you can try all of their services for free. A lot of places say you can try things for free, but then they ask you to put a credit card in, and then after 30 days, they automatically charge your card. That's not free. Squarespace is really free. You don't have to put a credit card in at all to build a website, to build a storefront, to build an online portfolio, anything you need. There's widgets for a a storefront. You can just make uh, something, charge people money if you have any reason to sell anything online. It's so easy to build all of those services with Squarespace, and you can build it without having to put a credit card in. Make sure you like what you see, what you made before you pay them. And then once you do pay them, we'll give you 10% off your purchase. That makes it really valuable to listen to this show. We're going to help you out. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com slash DLC and then use the promo code Jeff sent me. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, on your way out of the check. And uh, we'll give you 10% off your first purchase. That's pretty cool. So check it out. Check out squarespace.com slash DLC. They know that you heard about it here. It helps us out. And you can save yourself 10% by using that promo code Jeff sent me. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Uh, all right, guys. Just uh, one other news item I wanted to bring up. Um, the PC Gaming press conference is returning to E3, we heard this week. And they claim that they have learned their lessons. Uh, Justin, I'm assuming like us, <laughs> you found it a little wanting last year. Yes.
2: It was the best. It, I man, I need let me say it was kind of a rough E3. I needed that. I needed it. Um I think it's a great idea, honestly. I, I it was so poorly um so poorly constructed and handled and, and produced and everything about it was pretty was, was pretty rough. But conceptually, I think it's like a pretty good idea um to give PC gaming that platform. You know, I would be a lot more cynical about this if I hadn't seen what Jeff Keeley has done with the video game awards over the past yeah. ten years or so, and and the way that has evolved from something that I was that I watched that I hate watched to something that I kind of like watch now, um, and and I think is has become something that's genuinely tasteful and representative of the medium in a really positive way, and and pretty uh, a, a pretty big highlight of of that. Uh, time of year i i think that it you know anything's possible uh you know the first time out you know everybody bombs right (laughs) like you you tried something it didn't work you know you thought that that, so much that stuff conceptually right like anytime you're putting a a show like that together like so much of it has to be just like i don't know maybe this will work maybe this will be good and then when you finally mount it it's like okay well i can see where we went wrong here you know so i i have i you never know. You know, I have I have no reason based on what they put up there to uh, to uh, to think that they could they they could make something quality. But I I also have no reason to doubt that they couldn't learn from their lessons.
0: I two things. First of all, I definitely want to start the term like watching. I like watched it. Uh, that, that yeah I think it's, needs to catch on if it hasn't already. Um, and uh, secondly, I I want to know who I need to contact to try to be in the running to help host this thing because I really want to be a part of it so bad. But uh, I think that's probably unlikely. But I think think that there is definitely possibility here. My question to you guys is they really attempted last year to create a different feel. And they accomplished that. It just didn't work out too well. But the different feel was, you know, it felt like a sort of late-night talk show where people came in and sat at the desk, and it really didn't feel like a press conference. Do you think that what they need to do is really embrace the the template of the big high production value E3 press conference? Does it need to look like a a Microsoft, a Sony, uh, a Ubisoft, uh, a electronic arts? Does it need to look like those kinds of press conferences to, to work?
2: I think that you would have a tough time building something like that. If you didn't have a single interested party who was choosing how that stuff is handled, right? Like, I'm not sure if you have a an an EA or a Microsoft putting one of those things together. um, You have the then the company you know who's ponying up the dough has final say on what its priorities are, what it wants to highlight, what the the big announcement to open and
0: close with is, Mm. and I think think they're a servant to too many masters.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would think that. I mean, I, I don't even mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, if it's just you know. Okay, I'm gonna give you a a trailer for my new game. What kind of placement can you offer me?
0: Yeah. Um
2: that'd be that'd be tough. I mean, that would be that would be a little tricky,
0: I think. I I, I think you make a great point. Uh what do you think, Christian?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to do well and easy to do poorly, unfortunately. And I think Like everything. Like <laughs> exactly, like everything. And and I think even some of the best E three press conferences of all time have a considerable amount of eye rolling moments. Like when they Microsoft brought in the Ford GT, an amazing car, uh, and almost, you know, like, for two seconds, and then, like, why did that happen? Like, the amount of logistics that went into making that happen must have been kept someone from their family for months, right? <laughs> and then we see it, and we're like, oh, great. And then you bring in one of the biggest pop stars in the world to come play your show, and everybody's like, yawn, To show me to write. it's It's hard. It's really hard to do well. And I think pleasing a, a PC audience might might be even harder to do because uh, they're more spread out. They're more diversified in the types of games they like and what they want to see and, and more indies or more strategy or more whatever. And I think their best chance at succeeding is doing something more and more off the beaten path. That said, I think they do need some media training for whoever's hosting this thing to realize that it is a show potentially being watched by millions and not, uh, kick back in your garage and last year's show like if last year's show was at your friend's house and you walked by you'd be like this is dope but as a, a thing that was being streamed out to the world i mean it was cringeworthy
2: i feel like the cringeworthiness of it of didn't necessarily lie on the shoulders of day nine though i thought that he no he was great yeah i think yeah. that he had some really rough material i mean if somebody came to me and they're like hey Justin, uh, we need you to interview somebody for 15 minutes about why this video card is so rad. Like, (laughs) I'd be like, okay, well, I'll be over here at the bar. Uh, (laughs) Like, I think that that was, that was the tricky thing, and also, uh, it was two and a half hours long. No, but like, I don't care if it's Neil Patrick Harris hosting that bad boy. Nobody can talk about video cards for two and a half hours (laughs) to keep that fresh. Nobody.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing they need to learn how to do this year is say no to people or, you know, be, and I, I think it's tough when you're starting something new and you, it's not produced by, you know, valve. It's not like steam is coming out there and going, we're, we're a platform holder. It's, it's being produced by a magazine or an online site really. And it's hard for them to, they're just trying to get people to to be there to make, to add content to their, to their conference. And you know, to to be able to say no to people, I think might have been hard in year one, and I hopefully they learned that it needs to be tight, it needs to be focused, it needs to be bombastic, it needs to have a little bit of spine to it to say, "Hey, here's reasons why you should be excited about own, owning a PC." And mm-hmm. there's there is some salesmanship that needs to happen, not just information. And I think there was some information conveyed in the show, but there wasn't a ton of. Zaz needs more zaz.
2: yeah they definitely need i think they need some announcements some reveals and that's so hard i can't imagine how hard that would be to get with like an untested uh show you know trust us you you know we can handle it but uh i I, there also need to be more like demos like i every time i go to e3 i see a handful of things i think like why is nobody talking about this this is awesome this is so rad like this I know it, it may not re, you know maybe it doesn't fit in a Microsoft or Sony's thing but like this is really cool why why are we not seeing more of this and like this seems like a really good place to do that to do like a slightly deeper dive on some of the more interesting off the beaten path stuff.
0: Well, I think the big thing in their favor too is that they're filling the slot that has been left vacant by Electronic Arts, so it won't be a late night thing this year like it was last year. Was it started at six p.m. or something? This year it's going to be one o'clock in the afternoon where EA usually would be so. That's I know I think that that helps them in and of itself, and just sort of placement and prominence and feeling like it's part of that slate of events that we all are paying attention to on those days.
1: It can't be worse than last year's, right nowhere <laughs> to go but up that's a good point
2: uh and also please just just call it anything else, please the. <laughs> The AMD PC gaming show powered by PC Gamer, like, please, can we not? <laughs> can we not, guys? I know that PC already has a terrible name, that doesn't mean you have to, to name your show such a terrible thing too.
0: <laughs> you make a solid point. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the stuff we've been playing now, uh, getting to the playlist. Who you playing this week tell us) Justin, what is on your playlist this week?
2: Uh, let's see. I'm I'm in a, you know, this time of year, I I work really hard to play uh th- all the big stuff uh last, you know, by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, uh this this time of year I I generally feel like I'm I'm playing catch up on some smaller indie stuff uh and 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 some stuff I might have missed. Um, and, and also trying to make time for those like smaller games that, that are really cool that, that I may not have had, uh, time to that. I think the majority of my time this week was split, uh, between two things. Uh, one is a mobile game called lifeline. Have you guys Hmm. talked about that at all? No. Okay, cool. Awesome. So lifeline is a, uh, the premise of lifeline is not dissimilar to, uh similar to the- not as similar to the martian um it is a story of an astronaut who's who 's sort of a junior astronaut he 's sort of a a student who was was along for the ride on a on a flight uh whose mission goes terribly wrong his communicator malfunctions and his only uh means of communicating with the outside world uh the the only person it has connected with is you through oh, your phone so you're the only one that's reading messages from him. It's all texts. So I'm um, talking to Matt Damon. Yeah, you're exactly. You're talking to Matt Damon, and it's and it's it's the character is really, uh, really well written, smart, funny. Like not again, not unlike Matt Damon's character in in The Martian. Uh, but you know that's kind of selling it short because like it's very easy to say, you know, he's charming, like the guy in The Martian. Like that's not an easy thing to write. You know, funny and charming yeah. is not like an easy an easy feat but uh yeah it's sort of like that a lot of uh you know gallows humor about his situation but anyway he's navigating this uh the 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 place he's crash landed on and every once in a while he updates you on his situation and asks for your input on what you think he should do um sometimes it's something like you know should i stop and eat for a little while or should i push on or sometimes he's telling you, like, uh, asking you to Google how much radiation he can safely uh, take in if he sleeps overnight next to this thing to keep him warm. The neat thing is that it happens through push notifications, so you can get updates from him. Basically, it almost feels like getting a text message, and it happens – the game happens in real time. So there's a lot of times when, you know, he doesn't have anything to say. He's walking or he's asleep Mm -hmm. or whatever and sometimes you wake up and you know he's been uh uh you know he's been uh, involved in some sort of like tragic thing that he needs your help with it's not timed in like a tamagotchi since like he's not going to die if you don't answer him once he needs your help you know the the game is in sort of stasis uh but uh you're sort of developing a relationship with him and and helping him through this this scenario um so that's the uh
0: the the that's lifeline i've actually fascinating. been fascinating yeah it's it says, really cool it says that it's uh, also available on the apple watch which yes. i think would be a really interesting way of playing this because like you said if it's in real time you can sort of just you know use it to pass the moments when you're just standing around and i think using it on your watch would even be would even be cooler The the, What I've actually been playing this week, I just finished Lifeline
2: 2, which is cool because it's structurally the same idea but a completely different premise. It's about a a, a woman named Erica who is uh, looking for her brother, but she's a mage Uh, in the modern day, a modern-day wizard who uh, lost her brother in an alternate dimension through a situation sort of her own devising. And she sets off on a sort of a road trip. To retrieve her brother from these evil wizards that uh have absconded with him um, and it's very much the same idea of like she's funny and she's sort of like relentless uh, uh, but she relies on you to sort of like help keep her on the narrow path and help keep her motivated when when the situation is pretty dire so but it's it's really cool and it's really neat for a game with uh no graphics or anything um because it feels very immersive in that sense mm-hmm. because it feels in fiction, you know, why you're getting these messages and able to respond
0: to that kind of thing. That's cool. Interactive narrative. It, does it, are you, you're just kind of selecting from multiple choice responses or are you able to type in whatever you want?
2: No, it's usually like a yes or no, mm. you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, you know, should I, you know, path A or path B. And sometimes it's more of a, just like a dialogue thing. You know, mm. what kind of thing do you want to say to them?
0: Um, I'm reminded yeah. of, of, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember back in the early PC days, there was a, like a shareware thing you could download that the idea was that you could text and type to it and it would respond in a ways that would convince you that it was a human being that you were talking to back and forth. I can't remember what it was called, like Leslie or something like that. Uh, But it was like an early, very primitive AI thing. Uh, And I would love it that the game to behave like that. That'd be really fun to be able to just sort of chat with it and talk. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, but, but
2: that and uh, then I, I played Firewatch.
0: Well, you and Christian have both played Firewatch. So let's let's dive into a discussion of that. I, I talked about it last week. Um, I adore the game. Um, but uh, why don't you guys dive into a discussion? Um, Justin, what, what's your feeling on it?
2: Um, you know, it's funny as a um, I'm somebody I've been a, a video game critic um, since I was 12 years old in different capacities. And I've been doing this for a really long time. And I feel like at this Mom, point in my life,
1: he's reviewing video games again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mom. I had a a video game review column in the local newspaper. That Me I did too.
0: The, That's how I started.
2: Really? Yeah. When I, used I was
0: to 14. Cu-
2: well, I used to cut him out. Uh, I, this other kid, had a video game column and I used to cut them out, like all of his columns out of the newspaper and put them into a binder that's and awesome. save them all. And then I took over the job from him. And anyway, um, wow. that's a long story, but it, that's but so started I,
0: that's crazy.
2: So I started doing that when I was a kid. And so I've been doing it for a long time and I feel like I have a really good vocabulary for like talking about how games succeed or fail and how like, uh, mechanically games work. Um, I feel kind of stymied by things like, uh, Gone Home and Firewatch and that sort of thing because I feel like more and more with those sorts of games, I'm being asked to evaluate how a narrative works because like the narrative is really what you're signing up for. And it's hard for me because I don't feel like I have critically the sort of like vocabulary to – like deconstructed narrative and talk about the things in the narrative that like work for me and don't work for me. And I don't think that's unique to me. I think a lot of game critics are probably faced with this, this sort of issue. So like sometimes I feel a little caught up. This is all by way of saying like, it's hard for me to talk about firewatch because I don't, first off, like I don't want to talk that much about the story because that's really like what you're playing for. Like you really, you would lose a lot by not getting it. But what I will say is that, um, I think, uh, it. Th- what I really love about it is that it uses it. It, it, a lot of people said it could work as a short story and it, or it could work as a short film or what have you. And I think that that's probably true. But what I love about it is that it is endemic to gaming. It is mm-hmm. the, 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 the mechanics that are built around this narrative in Firewatch, the mechanics of, um, using a map to find your location, the mechanics of communicating to someone only through um, a Um, walkie-talkie, the mechanics of, like, even something as simple as you can pick up um, trash while you're working and throw it away, and it doesn't have any effect on the game, like, mechanically, as Mm -hmm. near as I could tell. Um, And I think, like, all those mechanics, like, inform the narrative they 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 are the this idea of like orienteering and isolation are the the fact that it is a game improves the narrative because it is bringing you into uh things that make the narrative work better it's like better equipping you The, the like isolation for for instance like gives you this sense of paranoia um that i don't think you would get if you were just reading it or watching it but since you're living it you're really susceptible to that, and I think the game plays with that in some really interesting ways.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I think you say that so eloquently. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think of something like the movie 127 Hours and how much more impactful that movie was. Even though I, you know, I love that movie and I think it's very impactful as is. But even more so would be if I was responsible for getting myself out of the woods or the wilderness. You know, right. the idea that you are responsible for navigation is. I think it it does add to the feeling of what the story is trying to convey, and what I love about the game is that you have to talk about it from a narrative perspective like i do- I said last week that I don't think the ending of the of the game is particularly a home run. I don't think I'd find it particularly satisfying, but the fact I praise the game to high heaven because. I'm having those discussions because for once, we're finally getting to this place in video games with, with games like Gone Home and, and this and, and others that we, where we are in that realm of having to deconstruct narrative and talk about the story that's conveyed and how it works. And the fact that it's not because I'm just sitting there watching cut scenes, but the playing of something, as you said, informs the story of the thing. Christian, what about you? What, what's your feeling?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is what makes games special is that a game like this exists alongside tomorrow, Street Fighter Five comes out, and Justin's job is to review both of them. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, maybe not you personally, but you know, like a game critic's job. There are people out yeah. there who did Firewatch and then did Street Fighter Five, and it's just like, I guess film critics have to watch The Avengers and then have to watch Room as well, and you know, those are very different films, but... You know, uh, you don't need hand dexterity to fully appreciate Room or Avengers the way you do Street Fighter Five, and um, that's what's so great about the medium is that it's so many things. Firewatch, specifically, um, what a beautiful game! And not in terms of its polygons that it's pushing out or whatever, but the art design and the art direction and the and the the color, the study of color that's happening in it, and the color design choices that they took in making this game. Uh I twitch I streamed it on Twitch yesterday or yesterday, last week on Thursday. And, you know, just sitting in a field as I watched the sun set between um aspen trees and, and played with the light dancing and the shadows that it was creating is just really, really, really gorgeous. Um I'm I have not finished it. I know it's not that long of a game, but you know, got distracted with other things. Um, the narrative I find so far to be compelling, the voice acting like you mentioned last week, Jeff, is is spot on and, and really well done. I think to some extent the um, pick up and interact with things, it's cool that you can do it, but it's also I feel like the way it looks in the game is almost the way my nine-month-old picks up and interacts with things. It's like... Pick up this coffee pot, and then you're holding it in your hand in front of you, and it's like examine, but examine is just kind of like turn your wrist right or left. I mean, it's literally how Claire picks up things and looks. She's like, uh, 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 huh, uh throw Well, it's, it.
0: it's interesting <laughs> because the there is a there's a whole layer of interactions in the game that aren't there for any real reason. Like the game, the game provides you with a camera uh, early on, and I because I'm a trained video gamer and was intrigued by the mystery that the game establishes, I almost exclusively use that camera to take pictures of evidence. Like I was, <laughs>
1: right. I wanted,
0: yeah. I wanted to, 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 you know, record all of the evidence. So I had it. And by the end, when the game, I'm not, there's no spoilers here, but when the game says, Hey, you can develop those pictures and we'll send them to you as real pictures. I was like, Oh, but I just have a bunch of pictures of like <laughs> the inside of some dude's house and like, you know like there's, yeah. there's you know i didn't realize that really the only reason that that is even there is to just put you in that place and give you this this kind of sliver of freedom that is expressive of what it might be like to be in that place and i find that to be really compelling and and yeah it's it's a simplistic thing to pick something up and just rotate it or whatever In some books in his his loft work and some books don't and but it also sort of provides this immersion and this kind of this feeling of of being in that place that I don't think would be as prominent if it didn't have those things
1: I I like their inclusion I think the next step is that we find a way to get rid of the examine button and once you pick it up you know that you can manipulate it because of course you can because it's a, a rock that you picked up And I I really do. I love the immersion in this game. And I I tweeted out now what I'm going to say, my dissatisfaction with it. And I'm playing it on PS4. And it's not game-breaking. I'm going to finish the game, even if there's no patch. But I would say every, I don't know, 45 seconds, every two minutes, the game will visibly hitch or freeze or jump frames. And for a game that is so beautiful and I find myself being so in... I find it to be distracting every single time it happens. And when it happens, I think to like, oh, I can check my phone. Or like when it started happening at first, not knowing anything about the game, I was wondering if these were like insanity effects. Like is my character off the deep end in a deeper way that I don't know and I'll start seeing cuts that'll be like static and then aliens come. or You know, I don't know. Maybe it was oxen free poisoning me Um, (laughs) for what I was expecting in the narrative. But it's weird too because the other game I won't talk about it in detail now but the other game I've been spending time with is Borderlands 2 on the Vita because it was on sale for $4 and I figured I travel enough $4 is worth it that game is is a frame rate nightmare but at the same time I'm like I'm playing Borderlands on my Vita I'll I'll, this is it's okay and it's like because Firewatch isn't putting out Call of Duty graphics or whatever or you know Battlefront graphics I find it I'd I'd be remiss not to mention that I, I personally find it pretty disappointing that this game can't run smoothly mm. um yeah i hear you on that one did Oops. it hitch up for on pc at all or, and justin are you on ps4 or pc
0: uh he uh looks like he had a little hitch in his call oh well, yeah right. i'm back now
1: yeah, he's that's back back for you <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> uh is, is this am i alone in this or, or, I
2: played on PC. It was pre, it was pretty darn smooth for me. Yeah, um, me
1: too
0: on PC.
2: Yeah. I uh I, I have to tell a funny story though. I got uh they sent out early copies to, to press and I was playing through and I found this um I don't actually know if this has been fixed or not, but I I, I found a uh, flyer uh for a missing person and the the number on the flyer was not a five 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 number. Hmm. So, you know, I'm a true gamer for life. So I see that. And I think, ah, ARG, got you. <laughs> so I see this number for the, it's like for the Shoshone National Forest or whatever. And like call if you have information about this person. So I'm like, you know, true, true gamer that I am. I'm going to call this number right away. And I think about it. Cause get in, get in on this ARG on the ground level. <laughs> so I call and the, someone answers. Hello, this is Buck Shoshone National Forest. Wow. really. Uh, Oopsie daisy, it's a <laughs> real number for the actual dispatch of the Shoshone National Forest. Googled wow. it and, and like I thank God I Googled it like instantly it was like, oh, dunk, this is like the real person. Cause I was a hair's <laughs> breadth from me, like, uh. Bug. this is Officer Justin. I have some information to <laughs> propel this ARG forward uh, uh, if we can. Uh, <laughs> so I immediately contacted the camp Santo guys. It's like, listen, just from like a basic human not like journalist to game developer thing, but just like basic people like just trying to get through you know that this fool's like serious real number is in your game, right? <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, we're patching that out. that was that, oh. <laughs> you know that they had initially thought about it for you know i don't I don't know I don't know why it had been in there initially, but um, they did say they're gonna patch it out, so it's not to like ruin this guy's this guy's whole scene
0: <laughs> poor guy's like i don't understand why i keep getting so many calls it's really uh lively here in the old yeah, uh, right. radio station this year um i just yeah i that's kind of stuff though that i think is what makes this game special like I, the fact that i spent so much time cleaning up beer cans because i cared about the fact that i'm not going to allow beer cans to just stay in the forest i don't know that's what makes the game special um i got a ton of stuff on my playlist guys so I'm gonna dive in. There's I've been playing a lot of games this week, uh, including the Overwatch beta, which is back. Um, it's, how, how
1: is it? Yeah how are the uh, how are the rewards? Or the, that
0: is really the big story is the, the progression system and the rewards. There's a leveling system now, and they have, as Blizzard does, they create crack cocaine, uh, and you get at certain points you get loot boxes. And your loot box can be color-coded based on rarity of the items within it. Uh, you open the loot box, and in, just like in Hearthstone or something, it has this awesome animation of exploding out cool loot, which is somehow, it you know, kicks into my pleasure centers. And uh, inside are a whole variety of different things that you can get. There are cosmetic items. You can unlock skins for your character. You can unlock uh, sprays, which are little tags that you can shoot in the middle of a match onto the wall, you know, like a spray can. So you get different images from that that you can get that are various levels of rarity. There are audio cues, lines of dialogue spoken by by specific characters that you can uh, uh, equip onto them so that when you emote during the game, people hear those things uh there are just a whole number of aesthetic things like that little um profile pictures for your profile so while i don't find any of them particularly compelling in the same way that i do in something like Heroes of the Storm mostly because i'm in the first person view and i don't get to see my cool uh my cool skin or i don't really i'm not going to spend time tagging cuz i'm so busy just trying to stay alive and win the match um I do think it's pretty clever. There are these new animations that are sort of like – sort of like in Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, the animation that when you start a fight, they'll happen at the end of the match for whoever had uh, a particularly good play and you can unlock new animations that are really cool things that are just kind of showing off your character. So all kinds of stuff like that to just keep grinding away and uh, achieving and finding and unlocking and that, to me, it goes so far into making this game more playable, leveling up, having carrots at the end of sticks. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of the game itself just because I'm not very good at first-person shooters. But it, it there's a lot... I mean, there are characters that I've found now that um, there's a g- character called Lucio that is a healer that all you need to... he sort of has a passive heal and all you need to do is be near your teammates to heal them, uh, and you can still shoot. So you're sort of just running around and trying to be close to people uh, and not having to have the responsibility of being the one that gets killed. So there's lots of characters like that that allow you, people who aren't the best first-person shooter players to still find joy in it. I'm not in love with the game, even though I'm playing it with friends and you know having that fun communal experience. But the, the progression system is super clever, and I think, uh, I think we'll go a long way into making this game crack for a lot of people.
2: Can you get into that yet? Is that open or is it?
0: Just... No, it's still closed. Yeah. Oh, but uh, I'm sure it'll be open not too not, not too long because uh, the game comes out in April or something, right? Doesn't it? Maybe June? I don't know.
1: To some extent, um, this is the best news possible for you, though, Jeff. Like, imagine if you did love this game.
0: <laughs> it would be bad. Yeah, I got I can't I can't only have one Blizzard game going at a time. And that's, you know, that's why I had to stop playing Hearthstone. They will make cause... you love it. <laughs> give, give them time
2: I they know. know they will adjust the knobs and sliders that they have directly hooked up to your brain stem Dude, they'll it's, just up the fun they just are waiting
0: it's bad it's not you're not wrong in any way um couple other things i played another beta i played the hitman beta uh, and again not a huge hitman fan not a huge fan of um assassiny stealthy kind of games but pretty clever pretty clever stuff here um in the sense that Every mission that you have has a whole bunch of possible ways to solve it, possible ways to get to the person you need to assassinate and assassinate them from, you know, donning different costumes and... How, or,
1: how Hitman-versed are you? That's, not very. That's Hitman's it, jam, right? And so I think it's how well you're able to do that. And then the other concern that people... And I have not played the beta, just, you know, what I saw at E3. Um, so front-loading this with questions... How able are you really to plot your own murder? And then what happens when stuff goes wrong? Because some of the video they showed, it looked like you could kind of gun blaze your way out, which in you know, other hitmen, hitmans, I guess, hitmans, you've been able to, but like, nah, dog. <laughs> you well, gotta yeah, go no, in I'm and do this.
0: Super familiar. So have you always, has there always been this sort of horse game that's being played that like, you know, I'm talking about basketball horse, where uh, it sort of gives you like a trick shot, Goal to do with your like only kill this guy using X, Y, or Z, or yes, uh, it does have it's always had that.
1: Well, I don't know how it's implemented in this game, uh, <laughs> we're kind of talking through a screen right now, um, but uh, there have always been incentives or achievements for completing a task a certain way, hitting them with a car, um, or whatever. Right. I don't know about always, but enough that I can say that that is a staple of the franchise.
0: Oh, I thought that was pretty cool. I had never, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, uh, a hitman. Uh, veteran, So I, I thought that was a pretty neat thing. And the fact that it had save anywhere, uh, you could say on even on PS4, I was able to just save anywhere so I could try weird stuff and go back to my save. I really, really value that in these kinds of games and far too few of them have that in my opinion. So it's not a game for me and I'm probably not going to be able to uh, analyze it on a, a deeper level. But I did put in a couple hours on the beta and, you know, it was kind of cool. How's it uh, look? But yeah. Is it pretty? okay oh,
1: no. okay <laughs> it's
0: not pretty i mean it has a lot of characters in their scenes which is cool so there's a lot of a lot of ai going on you feel like you're really infiltrating you know the the yacht or the mansion or whatever uh and it's full of people and doors and areas to get into but it's kind of plain looking not not super sexy
1: i'm excited for this game and I, i'm excited to see how their episodic or whatever they're calling it release structure works and whether or not that paves the way if it's successful and, there's something else that can be taken from that. Um, I hope it's good.
0: Uh, I also played Layers of Fear, which is a horror game. It's really a haunted house game. Uh, you play as a uh, a painter who has a prosthetic leg. So already things are bad. <laughs> um, and you're wandering through this house and sort of ransacking it, looking for clues and trying to finish this painting that, for some reason, the evil demons want you to finish. Um, this game is gorgeous. I'm playing on PC on the high settings, and it is really, really pretty, really, really evocative. And the, you know, there's all these crazy psychedelic effects that happen when you look at a painting. It'll like smear or a demon face will pop out or whatever. I mean, it very much is a haunted house, and you're wandering through opening cupboards looking for clues and scraps of paper that have messages on them and trying to put things back together and finding the key to get through the door that'll lead you into the basement that's a terrifying rat maze of ghouls. Uh, I mean, it has some jump scares. It also does a thing that for me in particular is really terrifying because I have a terrible sense of direction and maybe one of the reasons I don't like uh, first-person shooter games, by the way, is I have a hard time with direction in first-person games. Um, but it'll like, it'll, like, mess with the geography of the house. So you'll walk through a door, and then you turn around and walk back through that door, and you're in a different room than you left from. So it'll, it, like, messes with all of where the rooms are connecting to. Um, and I find that very disconcerting and scary. I mean, this is a very scary game. I was yelping uh alone in my room my wife came in and she was like are you okay i was like ah, it's a scary game
1: i thought you a, meant like I'm just Weaver, reviewing Weaver. restaurants in the surrounding area <laughs> <Just helping.
0: laughs>
1: yeah, i guess that was a bad term
0: i'm just uh i was uh i was twittering alone in my room um, <laughs> which yeah. also sounds like a thing you do when you're afraid <laughs> I, was yeah, just, I, was I was just like, twittering in the corner yeah exactly um Anyway, Layers of Fear, played on PC. Uh, it, it's it's scary. It's it's scary. It, there's not much to it uh, as far as gameplay mechanics. It is basically just a, it is an amusement park ride. It is, you wander from place to place. You, it's kind of linear, although you can go pretty much where you want. But it, you're getting scared. And uh, the game looks really pretty and the story is, you know, whatever. Um, it, you're kind of average horror tropes. And there's, you know, scary baby dolls and faces that are contorted and stuff that you'd expect to find. But it's all very effective and all very well realized. And if you want...
1: Let's get to the big guns. I I see something here, Jeff, and you're teasing me. What do you see? I I see a game that has a five in it. It involves fighting on streets.
0: Uh, Here's the Storm?
1: That's the one. Yeah, it's Stay (laughs) in Your Lane. (laughs)
0: Uh yeah, um, got an early copy of Street Fighter V. I haven't put too much time into it because I literally got it this morning. But, uh, I got up early and played um a bit, and um, I will obviously be talking more about it next week. What you I'm playing really
1: on? Excited.
0: PC, PS4, PS4. Okay. Um. Obviously, the game's gorgeous. Everybody that's seen anything about Street Fighter Five so far, I think the frame rate's awesome. The game, the character models are great. All the mechanics that I've uncovered so far are really cool. The, the game plays a lot different from four. In it feels a little slower. It feels a little more deliberate. Um, there aren't any sort of global specials. There's now this V counter move that's specific to each character, so it does a different thing depending on who who you're playing as, which is really interesting. But the game's not done. Like, I don't understand why they put it out. The game's not finished. How so? The stuff in the menus just doesn't work yet. And it's like, oh, that'll, be, that'll work in March. That'll work in June. Come back. Uh, I mean, they're putting it out. They're, they're unveiling Street Fighter V as this sort of ongoing platform, which I think is a really cool idea in the sense that I've, you know, as much as I love Heroes of the Storm... I look at that game and go, this is a perfect model for what a fighting game could do. Like why is the MOBAs, the free-to-play MOBAs, the way that they are an ever-evolving ecosystem of competition is what fighting games should be. I mean, Mortal Kombat should be doing it. All the the big fighting franchises should abandon this sort of numerical release thing and just be a platform that evolves and that constantly updates. And I think that's kind of what Street Fighter V is trying to do, but it's just not... There's not anything in the game yet. I mean there's the standard stuff and all of that works great in the sense of if you have somebody sitting next to you on a couch and you want to fight them, it's cool. The online portion is cool, but there's no the modes there's all these modes in the menu that you click on and it doesn't it's like oh come back in March when we unveil that. There's a <laughs> the basic story mode which is like Anybody that's ever played a Street Fighter game in a home console before, or even in the arcades for that matter, knows that if you start playing as Chun-Li or Ken or whoever, you can just play arcade mode and you end up fighting the last boss, like M. Bison or whoever it's going to be, and then you get a cutscene. Well, not in this game. Uh, that That's coming, though. We're going to unveil that in just a few months. Um, so keep playing until then. It's so weird. You earn, you can earn these this in-game currency, which is how they're going to unveil new characters, and um, you'll be able to buy them just by grinding out in-game currency, which is cool. Instead of having to pay human money, although you can do that too. Uh, <laughs> but right now, you can earn that that cash. But the shop is not available. To come back in March when the shop comes online, it's so weird to me that they would put this out like this. And and I get that there's this kind of evolution strategy there but why not just wait till we've evolved a little more to put the game out i i don't understand
1: so how much goes into well, justin have you played any of this no i'm
2: not a fighting game person at all well, um let me try to much insight
1: phrase this then outside of fighting games or maybe jeff for explaining it to MOBA. I, I find this fascinating i think this is kind of what Hitman is doing too uh how much game is enough game and how much do they need to tell you what's coming For you to be like, okay, cool, more stuff's coming, but not anger you with, like, why isn't this stuff here yet? Like, what if this game didn't have any of that stuff in the menus, and they didn't say it was coming, and Capcom hadn't released their roadmap to Street Fighter V, and you buy this game, and you're like, cool, this is the game. And then in March, they were like, surprise, suckers, (laughs) here's this huge patch, and all this stuff's free, and everybody freaks out, instead of people sitting here complaining there's not i think enough. that
0: feels better doesn't that sound like it feels better to be like oh look at this stuff that we now are I, yeah i, I mean, don't
1: know i don't
2: speaking know speaking as a layman it seems to me that the right answer is don't charge like uh everything you're describing jeff sounds great if they weren't charging 60 dollars for it don't charge 60 dollars. if your game's not done don't charge people 60 dollars for it like charge them 20 now or whatever and then if you want to buy the story later they can but like
0: well, the just good don't news charge is, people
2: sixty dollars right now.
0: The good news is you don't have to buy the story later. Like all that stuff is gonna be free, they say. So um they are charging you sixty dollars now. At least they're not charging you more later. It so- goes
2: against the that idea though. Like I think the multi-platform thing you're talking not multi-platform, the, the sort of single platform, game as platform thing is the future for a lot of these types of franchises. It's just like it seems a um it seems like a fundamental sort of misunderstanding of what that platform is or how it works or how that con- conceptually applies if you're charging people $60 for a disc. Okay? Yep. Like it just – that that seems to be against the spirit of the whole thing.
1: It's tough. I paid $80. I think it was 80 maybe more for the first Street Fighter was it Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition on Genesis, and that had arcade mode and peer-v-peer, you know, local co-op multiplayer, and that's it and well that was a different time you know it was well, like so i paid eight dollars for shadows of the a... empire okay we all did some things in the 90s we're not proud of <laughs> yeah i do bought the 3do <laughs> okay that's yeah that's dumb <laughs> um i don't know though it's it's i, I it's hard because i think if this game launched without telling you about any of that stuff people would be like "It's a shell don't do it i hope online works and is that enough but uh, doesn't this this kind of
0: circles back to the very first conversation we had on this show which was the destiny conversation right of they kind of did the same thing where they charged you 60 bucks and then they kept releasing new stuff that kind of fixed the game. I mean, it's the kind of the new the new paradigm here uh, with how these things are released, at least at least with Street Fighter's case. They keep saying they're not going to charge you, although it's se- it seems like grinding the new ca- enough money to get the new characters is going to be pretty intense. So I don't know. Hmm. Ah. I don't know guys it's really good though I'll tell you that we'll talk more about it next week like I said I only put in a couple hours this morning just kind of experimenting around but even then I was like well but what's there to do I mean the funniest thing is the game starts with a quote unquote cutscene that looks like um Oh, um, what's the what's the word? Storyboards. It looks like a storyboard for an eventual thing. <laughs> no, that's we're going to
2: put the colors in later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's so odd. It's, so, it's like an anime, like still frames, hand-drawn anime still frames with voiceover on top of them. It's like, well, at some point we're going to finish this, but right now we're just going to give you these. <laughs> no. Very odd. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? We're kind of running a little long here, but um, any other games you want to talk about?
1: We can move on. Uh, Justin, anything else you got? No,
2: that's it for me.
0: Cool, man.
1: All right, well, let's uh, let's carve out a little
0: bit of tabletop time. time, time, time. Right now, right now. Time time, 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 Um, Justin, you play board games?
2: Yeah, I've been able to a play board game or two. What do you? About you got time. anything you
0: wanted to bring up?
2: Uh, I, I just don't know what you guys have discussed.
0: Like, um, almost nothing. So, oh,
2: great. Well, perfect. Um, monikers is probably my favorite thing right now. Y'all play Monikers? I've,
0: I've heard this game is excellent. I have not tried it. It's a party game, right? it's a,
2: It's one of those great games that like it would have worked a hundred years ago you know what I mean like yeah. this idea the idea of it is so sort of like simple and perfect but basically um, you have a big deck uh, uh, you know a big box of cards and on every card is a, a an idea um, concrete stuff people places things um, maybe it's the crocodile hunter or Hitler's mustache or um the uh, you know i don't know this the a narwhal or nyan cat or uh you know whatever and then on every uh on every card there's a brief description of what the thing is and then a name and the game goes in three rounds the first round you're allowed to say whatever you want to get your team to identify it to uh, identify what is on the card Uh, And you're going through the cards trying to get through as many as you can in 60 seconds and split into two teams. So you're the one of the players on each team that stands up and they're going through their cards and they they can say whatever they want other than obviously the name of the thing to get their team to guess. And you go through that way trading off the decks every minute um, until you go through the entire deck and you choose about 40 cards uh, for every game. In the second round, you can say one word. Only one word, but you can uh, enunciate it and pronounce it however <laughs> you want to, as many times as you want. Uh, and your team has to guess. The trick is that it's the same forty cards, right? So they know what the cards are; they just don't know, you know. So a and lot they of times, remember
0: how they p- guessed them last time, or how exactly. Somebody so
2: you them have some time. like reference points for yeah. something that happened, uh, but you only get one word. Third round is uh, no words. Uh, just movements, but you can move basically, basically basically devolves into charades. Um, but it's this really cool thing of, uh, one of the neat things is that everybody chooses. Everybody on each team chooses like five cards that they want included in the game, which are, it's just really smart because it makes it, it sort of self selects for whatever group you have playing. Like if I'm playing with my in-laws, for example, like I'm going to not submit a lot of like the meme Type stuff yeah, like the right. meme heavy type stuff. Want to keep yeah. it a little more pop culture, um, but it it makes for a lot of fun, and it's one of those that really anybody can play. Uh, very short on explanation. You know, I just did the whole thing in two minutes. Um, not a lot of like, which is for me is essential for a good like party game type thing. Is that I don't have to explain rule after rule after right. rule. Um, uh, but it's it's great. It's one of those that uh, is occasionally really hard to find monikers again is the name. It's occasionally well, hard to find on uh, Amazon. It looks like they've got it in stock right now, but it's it's great.
0: Well, I mean, not to take anything away from monikers, but you could also just play this game. Uh, we, we play this oftentimes the way we play celebrity. So you can play it where you supply the cards, basically. Have everybody with slips of paper write down five or ten names, and then uh, make teams after people put the names in. So in the same way that you self-select the the pot you're basically coming up from it with it from your own mind, um so you can do that without ever having to pay well, for money. Jeff, I'm
2: not in the business of putting hardworking board game creators out on the street, but yeah. maybe Better that's your I. particular fetish. I, I don't know.
0: Better man, than I like I. to
2: support artists. I don't. I don't know what to say. I,
0: I was going to talk about something else, but I want to bring up a couple of games that you made me think of. Um, That I think are in the same vein that I think you might really like if you've never tried them. Uh, There's one called Snake Oil and another called But Wait, There's More. Uh, Snake Oil is basically uh, you get cards that make you – you're trying to sell somebody something. And you try to – you have to come up with a – you get a combination of cards that are patently ridiculous. And you have to basically just improvise an explanation as to what somebody would use this thing for. Um, and in the same way, but wait, there's more, has the same kind of idea where you're trying to sell something. It basically uh, supposes that you are on a um, on a, an infomercial and you get a – you have a card in front of you and everybody else has a card in front of them that has some sort of thing about this mystery product. And you start have to start describing this mystery product and incorporate – uh, some some things that are on a card about this mystery product and at a certain point you say, but wait, there's more, and then you flip over your card and it tells you something new and you have to then incorporate that into the oh, improvisation. And then, yeah, and uh, it's it's an, uh, in the same way those games that are sort of just built for people that are clever and are just want to have a, a lubricant to have fun anyway, you know? Um, right. Not necessarily the best games for people that are, you know, reticent and not interested in kind of providing their own fun but but really really fun games both of those are uh, i think pretty inexpensive and have the same kind of idea it's uh, snake oil and but wait there's more good stuff there i just say
1: uh the number of people that have tweeted at me pictures of them also buying zingo to play with their kids uh you're welcome everyone i played so much zingo over the weekend with my daughter, it's she loves, like, the game. Um, she loves it's it. It's like bingo with a zing. It, it, you might call that the tagline of the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christian does not weigh in a lot on the tabletop time segment, but when he does, they are doozies. I
1: bet more people have bought Zengo than any game that you've ever recommended. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. Sadly,
0: sadly true. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's uh, let's hop over. Uh, well, let's uh, let's end the show. How about that? We do have our. Uh, I have our uh, parting gift waiting for you at the other end of this. But uh, Justin McElroy, this yes. has been a delight wrapped in a pleasure, sir. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yes, you are the best. Uh, where can people follow your exploits?
2: Oh, God. Um, com is a link to uh, a Squarespace site. Nice. It features all of the podcasts that m- me and my family That's because uh, there's so create. many. You need a
0: whole website. There's so many shows
2: yeah there's oh, uh wow. yeah there's like 17 Jeez. shows that i'm not on all of them but my family makes them so you can see uh it's a pretty good that. hub there we call um, that
0: we call that an empire sir that's an empire.
2: mainly um mainly polygon.com is where i do like video game type stuff uh i'm i'm editor at large there so uh yeah that's 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 where you can find me oh i'm Justin McElroy on Twitter, J U S T I N M C E L R O Y.
1: Very very cool, Christian. How about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I'll I'll plug one of Justin specifically. I think I've told you before, good sir. But Sawbones, my wife loves it. She digs it. Thank you. And she's a doctor. And she's a she is also a doctor. Um, we've started a podcast. That's the Sawbones Recap. It's also a married couple, one's a doctor, one's not, and we just read no, we, we should though. Uh it's like the X Files files for Sawbones. For Sawbones, yeah. Uh, I'd listen. <laughs> we have we have one. Um but no, it is a uh, fantastic if you're looking for something non-video gamey. Um if you are a parent and you're looking for something non-video gamey, I mentioned at the top of the show, new podcast I'm starting with uh very funny Chris Quintos. She and I have collaborated before on writing and, and other stuff. Uh Department of Parenting. It is a 20-30 minute podcast about parenting news and a comedic take on it and listener questions. We have questions from the get-go. I put out a tweet and people have been sending us stuff even before we really launched, which is great. And it is a Department of Parenting. Episodes will be Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then um, stuff not in L.A., I think the next one is the 27th. I will be in San Diego with Sam Tripoli at the La Jolla Comedy Store come check that out and then i'm uh, when i'm in town i play games on twitch for about an hour which is just twitch.tv slash christian spicer and the easiest way to get in touch with me is twitter and it is at spicer mr canada what about you
0: well i am also on twitter at jeff canada spelled with two n's and one t i also uh, would appreciate your feedback on this show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com we always love hearing from the audience And I have other shows for you to enjoy as well. Uh, I have a tech show on CNET called Tomorrow Daily, which is at TomorrowDaily.com. I have a movie review show called The Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com and a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at WeHaveConcerns.com. All right, dudes, uh, let's send the people on their way with something good by giving them a parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Mr. McElroy, do you have anything that you can recommend that perhaps is not a video game to get people through their week?
2: Yes. uh, I would like to recommend uh, uh, two podcasts if I could. One is relentlessly self-promotional, not in the way that I make it, but uh, in the way that my brother makes it. And it's for the website I work for. But it's called Cool Games, Inc. And it's about uh, my brother Griffin and uh, Nick Robinson, who makes video for Polygon. Uh, they create uh, – every week they take a random suggestion uh, of a game concept from the listeners, and then they go through these suggestions and turn them into uh, a fully-fledged uh, video game that they then pitch to a guest. Um, I have laughed more – it's three episodes in. I've laughed more at this than I have uh, in 20 episodes of most uh, game shows um, their very first episode uh, created a game that was a half-roguelike, half-cooking game with connect functionality called <laughs> Grandma Wants It Al Dente about, <laughs> uh, well, you have to listen to the whole episode, but it's, 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 uh, it's great. It's called Cool Games, Inc. And the whole thing is structured like they are actual game developers uh, selling these products, um, which they are not. My second recommendation is uh, one of my top favorite podcast that I recommend to everybody uh, called The Worst Idea of All Time. Have you guys talked about The Worst Idea of All Time? We have not. It's like it's basically one of my favorite shows. Two guys from New Zealand named Tim and Guy. uh, They uh, decided uh, almost on a dare that they would watch the film Grown Ups 2 every (laughs) single week for a year and then review it as soon as they finish watching it. And it goes from Uh, hilarity to existential crisis so many times uh, and it is absolutely outstanding. They finished that project and then moved on this year um they're watching sex in the city too (laughs) every single week for a year um and that film is two and a half hours long uh and uh when i asked them why they chose that film they said they thought they kept imagining people seeing the running time and laughing really hard at it so they decided (laughs) to do that they've watched that one 48 times now and done 48 episodes of them reviewing uh they reviewed grown-ups 2 52 Uh, times uh and then they have reviewed (laughs) Uh, watched interviewed uh uh uh, sex in the city uh several times and they they also the the hitch is that they uh they don't let themselves one of the many hitches they don't let themselves drink until 10 episodes in so the first 10 episodes are completely stone cold sober and then they have a real barn burner of an episode where they let themselves drink for the first time That's Uh, fantastic
0: conceptually it's a hilarious idea but like in practice to make that listenable Fifty-two times is is an accomplishment. It sounds to me. It,
2: it, it is. It turns into, uh, uh, basically goes from review to like really experimental <laughs> improv comedy, all centered within the universe of Grown Ups Two and Sex and the City Two. They also have episodes that are uh, full length commentaries uh, of the films. <laughs> One of their most recent episodes from Sex and the City, they needed to catch up, so they recorded two back to back full-length commentaries <laughs> for Sexy City 2 in a uh, a five-hour long episode called Five Hour Energy where they watched the, sh- the movie twice back-to-back, and it's so long that they couldn't release any more episodes that month <laughs> because their <laughs> podcast provider didn't give <laughs> them the bandwidth. Oh, my God. Um, so it's amazing. It's called The Worst Idea of All Time, which it wow. is. It's accurate. We actually do a show, the My Brother, My Brother, and Me, uh, Me and My Brothers, our show, and and The Worst Idea of All Time, we have our own podcast together called Till Death Do Us Blart, where we watch the movie uh, Paul Bart Mall Cop 2 every year. It's an annual podcast that we release once a year on American Thanksgiving. Um, and then when one of us dies, we have to find a replacement. It's the world's first annual eternal podcast. So that we it. have already actually named our successors he have become very invested in keeping us alive, um, which is nice. To have people
0: pulling for you. So I someday, like two hundred years from now, that podcast will still be going with all new. That it's is like, the
2: idea. It is designed to be a perpetual, infinite <laughs> podcast. That is the that is the plan of till death do us blart.
0: Yes, it's like it's like that old uh, that old Zen conundrum where the the man replaces one board in his boat every time a board goes bad until one day. He's replaced every board in his boat, and he wonders if he has a new boat or if it's still the same boat. Yeah. Exa- it's like that yeah, except Paul exactly. Blart, Malcolm too. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, I don't know how you can follow that, Christian, but go for it.
1: Well, something totally different. Maybe I've mentioned it before, and it is officially a summer in the apocalypse here in Los Angeles as it's – I believe it's 92 today. But as the rest of the country is digging themselves out of snow and looking towards spring or summer, one thing I think you can prepare for – is get a pair of Vans slip-on shoes. I get no money from Vans. They in no way tell me to say this. I think Vans slip-on... But slip we're on... open to it. I think, yeah, they are open to it. And drink a lot of Budweiser with my family. Um, I, I I think Vans slip-ons should replace flip-flops. I don't think people should wear flip-flops. Uh, my
0: feet get sweaty in Vans, dude, when cares? I don't have any
1: socks. You wash them.
0: Wash my feet or The shoes. The shoes. What about like while it's sweating? It's uncomfortable and gross.
1: It's not that uncomfortable. It's not that gross. Uh, What's gross is your feet in flip-flops, Jeff. Get a pair of Vans. Find find the shoe that's right for you. I love Vans slip-ons. Gray has been my go-to for years. Maybe check it out if you haven't heard of Vans. (laughs) (laughs) I will consider
0: it if Vans actually becomes a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: Weird Al Al
2: has a ton of those. He has an insane collection of Vans slip-ons.
1: Oh, How could so? you go wrong? See? Aha. Uh-huh. I'm I'm on the side of Weir- Weird Al, Jeff.
0: He can't be yep. wrong. He can't be wrong. It's right in his name. I don't know what that means. Uh, guys, <laughs> I want to implore you, if you've listened this long to the show, you know that I uh, do my best not to steer you wrong, and I want to implore you to do something this week. Find a theater in your area that's playing the film Where to Invade Next and just go see it. You may have preconceived notions about films made by Michael Moore. I understand. Uh, You may have a political difference with him. That's fine too. Just go see it. Just go see it. You can, if you decide you hate it afterwards, I don't think you will, but I, I would love more people to see this movie. It's called where to invade next. It has nothing to do with the military. It's a silly idea where, um, Michael Moore goes to different countries and quote unquote, invades them by himself and sees how other countries deal with some of the problems that we have here. And I'm telling you guys, it will, it it will transport you. It'll make you laugh. It will uh, maybe make you think about things in a, in a new way. And it's not, it's not preachy. It's not a polemic. I don't believe, I, I think it really does just show how other people do things. And when I was a little kid, not very, I, I think, well, not little kid, teenager, I left the country for the first time. I, I traveled abroad for the first time. And it was a massively eye opening process. And anybody that has traveled abroad can tell you you come back a different person than you left because you have a perspective that isn't just myopic and centered on yourself and the people around you that are all sort of grew up the same way. This movie is the movie equivalent of that, where you get to see, hey, there are some other ideas in the world that are different than the ideas that we have. And maybe some of them aren't, aren't good. Maybe some of them are good, but they're out there. I'm telling you, this movie will be entertaining. You will enjoy it, even if you have political difference with the filmmaker. So try it. Where to Invade Next. It's playing in theaters. It just opened on Friday. I can't recommend it higher. All right, I'll get down off my soapbox now. I hope people actually take me up on that, though, uh, Even if, even if you think you're going to hate it. Uh, I bet you won't. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks to uh, Justin McElroy and Christian Spicer. Uh, thanks to uh, all of the folks that are listening now. Thanks to Patrick L. and Sean Madigan for providing music for the show. Uh, we will be back next week with a new episode. Uh, until that time, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.